Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is June 28th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing great. I can feel the energy. I am, uh, I'm, I'm standing. I'm at my new standing desk. It goes up and down. I've been playing around with it all day. You know, oh my God. I, I'll it sit, goes up. Sit for th- it goes 20 down, minutes. It goes up stand again. Stand for 30 minutes. For- just as quiet. It goes up and down. It's. It's really a marvel. I can't believe that all this technology that has graced the shed. But, um, you know, I will say I was at my desk for some points of the day, but most of today was decompression after a long 18-day uh, road trip for me. Yeah, good. that's good. I'm glad you're decompressing. Just decompressing by playing with your desk up, down, down again. Well, I was doing a couple of things. Fun. I was getting stuff organized. I, know, I, know. I was getting, uh, getting unpacked. The standing desks are like TVs. You know, when like the first like thin plasma TVs came out and it was like cost more than a car. And then all of a sudden now you can buy one with for like, you know, yep, less this, than a. This costs 200 bucks and it's great. Okay. I can't believe how good it is. And I know people are going to ask me which one I got. I got it on Amazon. Just I just searched standing desk and that's how I, I, I just dove in from there, there found the size that I wanted. And it was two hundred dollars. The shed always, always improving, always evolving. As, uh, as is, I don't know. I guess the framework deal, which we'll get to here in a minute. Like, unlike you, I have not decompressed today. I've been swimming in antitrust reading. Well, I read uh, the, I read the stuff, and it just doesn't seem like there's that much news. Yeah, like, I, I guess like... I'm trying to suss out this antitrust <laughs> question a little more and understand what's at play. And fortunately for you, dear listener, we are joined by an expert uh, for the final 20 minutes of this podcast in Professor Gabe Feldman. He is a professor, sports law professor at Tulane, also specializes in antitrust, has been following this closely, followed the framework, release of the framework agreement last night, which, you know, I, I don't know what that was all about. The tour said to send it to Capitol Hill. God, I, I, I never, my worlds are colliding here in DC. And I've walked down the street and I run into somebody who's working on this case for something, whether it's in comms, lobbying, uh, legal counsel. It's crazy what's going on around yeah. me in DC. There, it's it, the tour and PIF are. You know, all I, my neighbors are putting additions on their house thanks to this deal. I get it. I, um, I, you know, I'm not in, in a political hotbed like you, but one of my neighbors <laughs> is a um, works for a, a government, a foreign government, and I haven't seen I haven't seen this neighbor in two plus weeks, and immediately she's like, "Hey, I need to." T-. She doesn't say hello. Doesn't say, you know, how's your trip. Doesn't just yeah. says I need to talk to you about this uh, this Saudi Arabia uh, PGA uh-huh. Tour deal. 
She just wants literally. I'm I standing in the street talking for thirty minutes about this. She's telling me all Didn't about wanna. like. I mean, she would just went went like you know. I I had never you know. I talked yeah. to her a little bit about her job, but yeah. she, you know, she just she was ready to go. Didn't want to hear about the fairway width that LAC said. No, just to had to, yeah, no interest in the U.S. Open, but yeah. vast okay. interest in the PGA Tour yeah. Saudi Arabia uh, merger so, here. So the tour had to send its documents to Capitol Hill yesterday, and their presumption, I assume, someone's presumption that the leaks would spring forth from Capitol Hill post-haste. Um, I don't know. The framework started showing up in a lot of places. Good reporting, not denigrant, like good reporting, getting their hands on it, but it was, I saw Brendan Quinn had it at The Athletic. That's who I saw it first on Twitter. NLU had it. New York Times reported on it. So it, it got out there quickly. Um, there's not there's not much in there if you are a listener to this podcast, a subscriber to the Fried Egg Newsletter, or just a general golf follower who's been following this story. There's not much new in there that you hadn't heard from Jimmy Dunn in, in his interviews with whatever ESPN and, and elsewhere, Golf Channel. Um and some of the other great reporting that's been done on this, th- there wasn't much new in there. Um, there was the structure of the board. There was, there will be pu- funding coming. Um, but it was sort of a reinforcement of just how hasty this was. It's five pages, a preposterous signature page. Pelly, you got to pipe down, Pelly. Take it easy on your signature, buddy. Like, that's a signature of a guy that's wearing blue rimmed spectacles and trying to flash and show off a little bit too much. Like, chill out. I I got a wonder. I got a hypothetical for you. Do you think Pelly has got his eyes on a bigger prize? What's that? Is he thinking he might be moving into the the big seat if Jay doesn't come back? No. No. No, he's been as inept. He's been a. He's. I don't think. I don't know. He's been. I feel fortune has favored him here at the end. I feel like. But I I don't think it's because of game management. I feel like some of my European tour uh, friends and and um, you know counterparts. Uh, I feel like they're pretty happy about about Pelly. They think it's a stroke of genius that he managed to crowbar the European tour into this. That they even got a seat at the table. That are they're thrilled. I mean, about. they might have a high chair at the table. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what's going on there. Um, what is uh, so? If we got a, we got a high chair at a table, then does it go booster seat and then seat? The booster seat. Yeah, yeah. Think- high chair. You're strapped in. You got to be fed. You don't have. You don't have a lot of autonomy there. They're spoon feeding you what you want or what you don't want. Even they're they're just feeding you. Booster seat, you can kind of wiggle your arms and get a little closer, maybe grab an extra roll or something, have a little more autonomy. But that's kind of the middle ground. All right, we're we, creating the taxonomy here. We took we took uh we took like the little thing off. My my daughter has like a high chair that we don't use the we don't use the the tray anymore. We just slide it up to the table. Yeah. And the other day we took the um the thing that she sits in out, you know, the thing that keeps her, it keeps her in out. Yeah. And then yeah. we were like, Oh, this, this will be great. I, we don't think she needs the same more. 
literally took like a bite of dinner, got up and went and played with toys. We're like, we like put her back down, got, took another bite, got up, played with toys. We're like, all right, well, glad we tried that. Yeah, it's a it's an adventure. So, I mean, also on the signature page, Yasser is referred to as His Excellency, and that's what he goes by, His Excellency, H-E. Have sources, friends in high places who have done deals, big fi- private equity, all sorts of firms. Talk to me. Like, these guys, you call him His Excellency. You call him that in the conference room. You call him that on the phone. They call him His Excellency. We'll see how that proceeds in the... Uh, in the golf space, do you going think? Forward. Do you think Cantley is going to call him His ex- Excellency? I don't know what Cantley's doing. I don't know. We'll see. Cantley's got opinions. He's. I, I think Cantley wants some official title for himself. The way he's thinking of himself these days. Um, I heard so, one, one uh, unsubstantiated rumor that I heard on oh the God. ground. Had Are we going Cantley unsubstantiated rumor? Do we have another hour to do that? There's a lot. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. What do you got? I, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but allegedly someone snooped around about the Goldman thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. They, and they made a statement like, no. We're not talking to Cantley. <laughs> We're not like, working with Cantley. <laughs> Like, well, I think like numerous people, like numerous calls were made, and everybody's like, "No, we're not working with Cantley." I could see him like talking to the guy, uh, the CEO, which allegedly maybe happened. But like, what does that mean? It's like now Goldman's <laughs> advising Patrick Cantley on how to take over professional golf. No, I don't think that was ever going to happen. Um, <laughs> Anyways, we so we got five page document. Do you think Cantley's got it all whiteboarded out at his house? How he's gonna make moves? Oh, I think think he thinks he's got it whiteboarded out. I I mean I don't know what what I don't know. He seems to hold himself in high regard. He's he's apparently moving and shaking or attempting to do so behind the scenes, and and who he's whipped into his. I don't know, favor or alliance. I, I'm not sure. Maybe some people, but uh, still on the policy board, as, as far as we know, which met Tuesday night, has agreed to, again, not much. I don't know, is agreed to continue negotiating, not voting to approve, not voting to disapprove, just says, we'll move into the next phase of figuring this out. And Andy, let me tell you, there's a lot to figure out. Because as I've stated, five pages with absolutely very little just reinforces this was kind of a plea to stop fighting. It's a pre-settlement sort of thing. Like, hey, let's stop uh, spending money litigating against each other. Let's stop this threat of nasty discovery, which could, you know, uh, surface some unpleasant things. It just there's just not a lot in here other than two parties that appear willing or eager, I should say, to want to stop the litigation and threat of discovery. Uh, we did not learn. There's just no specifics. Like there's like merger and acquisition. People are like mocking it almost that like there's just nothing in here in terms of valuations and assets. And like there's just an agreement to figure that out down the line. And they have until the end of this year. Um, what else is in there? I wrote about it at length. How about the, the sponsor? Do you think do you think uh, the PIF's going to be the sponsor of the players? <laughs> Optum and Grant Thornton are out and Piff no 
I, I think it'll probably. I think they'll start with like on the DP world. Tour. I think they might. I here's where I think they might come in. Take what they might. Uh, they might go right for the tour's prized possession. What's that? The three one three challenge. <laughs> We're gonna get to the three one three challenge. I maybe maybe they just chip off a. a, a you know, chip it off right away. The three, what was it? Three hundred thirteen thousand dollars for making a yeah. They'll take an eagle and ace and a birdie. They'll take that. Their first investment is the hundred dollar insurance policy. Hey, I got to put a challenge out to everyone. Walk what three point one three miles this week. We've got listeners doing it in honor of the three one three challenge. There, as far as I know, nothing's being donated, or there's no benefit for it. People are just walking it in honor of the three one three challenge. Do you so, have to get it like timed perfectly? Up. Yes. Yeah, you can't go three one four. You got to walk. That's finish gotta be at hard. Like, what do you? Oh do? yeah. You stop? A tenth of a mile is so tenuous. I mean, that's like five steps. You really got to time it up well. You have to do one of those routes and then, you know, it's not like you stop walking. You're going to finish walking home. Yeah, you get stuck. You get stuck out in an island. Yeah, you're at 313. Anyways, that's What a stupid challenge. (laughs) To benefit nothing. (laughs) I mean, we could maybe raise some money. I don't know. Um, should, all we, right. should we donate three dollars and thirteen cents? The, the digital for every, divide for everybody that does it. Sure, sure. We'll. Do, I'll. Do I that. don't even know how to go about donating to the digital divide. Do Do you do it online? I'm sure we can figure it out. Yeah, we could talk to somebody and figure it out. Um. So I don't know. Do you want to keep talking about this framework that we've got the interview? Like this was hastily done. My conclusion is there's a lot to sort out. The tour, and you were on this. You you proposed this first. Uh, the earliest person I heard proposed this. I mean, the tour is incredibly exposed. Oh, my right God. Now in this engagement, each side has a ring on their finger. But if this is not consummated, if this is not made legal or finalized, the tour is F. Because what they've done now, they've removed the stick of litigation, which was, you know, painful, but also painful for the Saudis. They've lost the morality card, clearly. not. I mean, it was, and as Eamon Lynch noted, they're in this framework, an actual revelation new was there's this non-disparagement clause, which seems to, you can't say mean things about the Saudis, basically. And it's not just the PIF. It looks to extend all the way to the ultimate benefactors or beneficiaries of this deal. And that includes the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So they can't do that morality card. Uh, They've now given the official stamp of approval to the PIF. So should this fall apart, all sponsors, all players, RBC, whatever, Optum, Grant Thornton, run, run to the, like, who knows what could start working with the PIF. All the players, clearly, they are very exposed. I saw, uh, I think it was Nathan Hubbard on Twitter, like, you know, the Saudis could really test you know, the clause in here where both sides have to make a quote unquote good faith effort to close the deal. You know, could they pull some chicanery off? That's well, right? that's what I'm honestly. If the Saudis just pulled out of this, the tour's debt toast. Yeah. Everybody's going to live if that's the case. You know, who, the, then, who do you think would be the first person to sign with live if, if the Saudis pulled out? Hmm, 
That's a good question. Ricky? Oh, can't lie. Can't lie. I figured you'd say can't lie. Um, but apparently he right, just but, wants his leverage. He doesn't actually want to go. Right. He just wants to stir it up, it seems like. You know, talk about how he's got to figure it out. Uh outside of the outside of Saudi chicanery, other threats are clearly antitrust, which you can listen to the podcast. You can read about me in the newsletter. This apparently this five page document only made antitrust experts laugh harder. The complete mockery of it last, like, you know, three weeks ago when it came out, this was like, this is a joke. This is, quote, unquote, a clown show. Like, it does not pass antitrust scrutiny on its face. Now, are there other things at play here? Sports tend to be uh, kind of a muddy water when it comes to antitrust litigation. Like, the, the leagues are monopolies, right? You know, you want monopolies. The consumer wants all the best players in the same place, but that still harms labor. Whether the consumer is happier isn't necessarily the ultimate goal of antitrust. Um, so there's there's a lot to still overcome with antitrust. And there's also the Saudi element, like in terms of sports, muddy the water, and the Saudi element. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, Andy, but I had a serious person, serious, serious person who talks to serious high level government people who was theorizing that this is like a bone that the government threw the Saudis. You can have you can play in our little golf sandbox here and just keep the cost of oil down. You know, don't run to China and Russia and all this other stuff. Do I think that's like ultimate like this is way, way above Jay and everybody else? Do I think that's, you know, that's good. They're all of a sudden going to block their own Department of Justice. No, but. I think it could be an influence down the line. So there's a lot at, at stake here and a lot of, of kind of potential moving pieces that have nothing to do with golf, or, or I should say the actual shots of golf. So, um, and another, you know, so the tour seems to be going that way. DOJ could block it. I don't know. There's a lot of ways this could fall apart. And if it falls apart, it's bad for the tour. Very bad. Anybody. Well, that's the, the problem. Is it what you have to root for the deal to be done because the other alternative is worse, and it's yeah. so sad oh, yeah, that this is what we're at, where, where we're at. So they just seem I, to rush this that, out. Do you think to end it'll litigation? be called the Rampco players? No, I don't. I actually don't. Not yet. Maybe in twenty, like twenty-eight or something. I, I don't think. It, I don't think it will, man. All the stuff we could do with that gold boy, with the Saudi Arabian flag on him, the the it, twenty million dollar driveway is now a drop in the bucket. Who cares? Seventeen. They, million they'll dri- scoff. Yeah. They'll scoff at the seventeen yeah. million dollar driveway. They'll, they'll say <laughs> they'll cover it in gold or something, right? Maybe. So uh, we'll see. See what happens. We have a framework. A lot to be worked out. A lot of ways it, it may not work out, but they got until the end of the year. To, to fill in all the details. Um, all right. Should we move on to our schedule for the week? Sure. We have the aforementioned 313 Rocket Mortgage Classic. We got notables back for this week. Good notables. Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, and Ricky Fowler. Ludwig Aberg, Gordon Sargent, and Sam Bennett at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. What's going on? You're put, taking the desk down. We're done with the framework talk. We're going to notables. The desk is going down. down. You're standing. These are the options I have now. I can stand or I can sit. Uh, Other other, uh, notables. 
RMC. Ross Steelman, Ryan Armour, and Scott Piercy. Steel Armour Piercy. C.T. Pan, the bread man, Aldrich Potgeiter, and Austin Cook. <laughs> Potgeiter. Pan, Pot, and Cook. There we go. There we go. I got that one. Will Gordon, Charlie Hoffman, and Vincent Norman. Hoffman. Oh, they're all actors, right? Norman. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. I can't follow. Wait, Hoffman. Such a rocket mortgage What's classic. the other one? Norman, Hoffman, and Gordon. Uh, I don't know. I could be here all night. Hey, can I just shout out? I don't know if, when this happened, but it really feels like if, or if this was an edict from on high, sponsors exemptions have really gotten real. You know, all the all the nonsense um, has sort of ended. You know, there's an occasional John Daly, but it's really like last week, Travelers, Aberg, Bennett, Ben James, who's the you know, freshman of the year, and Michael Thorpe Jornson at Travelers. This week, um, they got the shipping uh, guy, uh, Johnson, yep. Chase Johnson. Yep, Chase Johnson. Nikolai Hogard is in. Uh, and then they gave it to Bennett, Potgeiter, and Sargent. So, like, I don't know if that happened subtly, if they were told, like, sponsors were told, like, start putting all the best college players in. But this has been happening now quite a bit. And, you know, good on it, right? This is what we want to see instead of the guys who kind of are watching. I don't out. know. It kind of makes it a little less less fun, fun to go through the schedule of the week, to be completely honest. That's your usual split on Golf Channel and CBS. Who's your one and done pick? Oh, um... You want mine? Yeah, sure. Who's yours? I'm going Garden Sergeant. I'm going for it. Can I read the lead of Paulie's picks? Always go to Paulie's picks. I won't say I picked Gordon Sergeant because he noted him, but Paulie's picks really get you excited about this week. The PGA Tour heads from one birdie fest to another with the Rocket Mortgage Classic. Even though the field is weaker than last week, I expect a winning score easily north of 20 under at this par 72 layout that will feature soft conditions and four par fives where players will feast. The formula this week is simple. Drive it long, wedge it close, and catch a hot putter. Does it sound over, see, overly simplistic? Well, that's because it is. <laughs> Nate Lashley won in 2019 with an elite wedge. Davis, DeChambeau, and Finau won with elite power and above average wedge play. So it's just, I mean, there's golf, and then there's the PGA Tour. And we got TPC River Highlands, and now we got this. And I'm going with Gordon Sargent. Bomb it, wedge it. Go ahead. What do you got? I got Cam Davis. Past champ. I love Cam Playing Davis. better. Yeah. I Good. If you watch Cam Davis swing a club, I just don't know how he's not like a top 20 player in the world. He's one Good of the player. most impressive players in the world. If it, he's, <laughs> he would be, he'd be, if the, if golf had a combine, he'd be the ultimate combine guy. That's that's a good that's a good uh, analogy. I like that. Um, all right, so that's your Rocket Mortgage Classic, the U.S. Senior Open. We're on to another major, just as major season. Oh, you know, we had one women last week. Flower this fest, <laughs> the century world, the flower hall in Wisconsin. Conversations and flowers. The flower hall is a lot of flower content already blooming out of. Uh, Wisconsin is that Stevens Point? I think is where it is. Yeah. Um, notables: Christian Rayner, Jesus Amaya. So we got Christian and Jesus, uh, and Stephen Alker. They're a tri- trio. Alker boy. Uh, 
Mike Small, Laird Small, and Jeff Sluman. Small, Small, and Sluman. Harry Rudolph, Scott Comet, Rudolph and Comet, the two deer, and Darren Clark. What's he got to do with that? I don't know. Santa or something? Jerry <laughs> Springer. Jerry Springer, Joe Summer. Wait, there's a guy, Jerry Springer? <laughs> I guess. I'm just reading off what I'm... These, I, R.I.P. Jerry just passed, but this is must be a different one. Jerry Springer, Joe Summerhays, and Bob May. That seems like seasons. Paul, Bro- <laughs> Paul Broadhurst, Jason Widener, and Tim Heron. Broad, wide, and, and lumpy. Um, all right. So those, that's your U.S. Senior <laughs> Open. That'll be on whatever NBC uh, and Golf Channel. You know, whatever. Finishing on 5 p.m. on Sunday, NBC. Um. What else do we have here? The DP World Tour. Uh, some, some. I don't know. It's the Betford British Masters where, you know, sadly, I don't know what these guys, you know, do you see like 21 live players are trying to qualify for the Open, but Westy and Poulter just aren't even doing it? Yeah. Like, I, they're just done. They're playing the International Series at Close House. Perfect. Close House. I don't know. International, well, but not Westie, the Betford. Westy's uh, course. <laughs> Right, right. That's that's the international series venue now. Whereas the Bet Fred British Masters will be at the the Belfry. Is in the, is Liv Valderrama this week? Yes. Oh, Friday. We'll talk about that Friday. Can't episode. wait. Valderrama. I mean, they're acting like they're playing at like Pebble Beach or something. I know it has some history with European golf. It's a terrible, terrible golf course. Uh, and that's not because Liv's gone. We said that many times in the European. Yeah, we said it when they nope. were there. Notables of the Bet Fred British Masters, Justin Rose, Minwoo Lee, Bobby McIntyre, <laughs> Prime Time, Dion Germishus, Marcus Shinholk, Jason Scrivener, <laughs> James Morrison, Dan Brown, <laughs> Dan Brown, and John Murph. Hey, one what? reason to Murph. subscribe to the Fried Egg newsletter. I don't know when it, yeah. when it'll be aired, but one of our uh, one of our listeners made a great. Yeah crossword puzzle and it's going to be featured in in the fried egg newsletter one of these days so subscribe to that and you'll get shotgun start themed oh john murph uh then we got the freddy shot lewis de jaeger and thorb jorn olison a shot of jaeger leads to a piss bear i don't know frank kennedy andrew wilson and grant forrest maybe u.s presidents uh, u.s presidents yeah, yeah kennedy Green. wilson and grant all right, so that's your notables for the DP World Tour. That is your schedule for the week. We'll hit Live Valderrama on uh, on Friday. You have an event of the week, yeah? An echo event of the week. I do what? have an echo event of the week. It's already done. It's finished. What is it? I'm going with the Ike, the Metropolitan oh, Golf Met- Association Stroke Play Championship, 68th version. Was played at Brooklawn Country Club early this week. It was. Uh, it was a, you know, it's a it's a historic event in the uh, in the Met, and it was, uh, you know, uh, some interesting names on the leaderboard. To be completely honest, we got uh, well, Melon Duhabdel Duhabdel. Uh-huh. I'm sure I'm, I'm definitely I'm sure butchering are. it. He he won okay. in a playoff over a Christian Cavalier. Who was uh, yeah? BC grad just went to yeah. Uh, yeah U.S. Open. But then coming in third is Charlie Barrage. Little little insight about Charlie. 
he uh he reached out to this to the shotgun start or the fried oh, egg one of them the day that they, the, the day the, I, N- I got the, message. <laughs> the day the nil got announced he, got, he reached out <laughs> so i don't know if you saw this but i was wondering if you had any sponsorships available <laughs> so we might have I mean, to we got a hat we might be we might have to get on this now that he's he's His he won third. the he won the new york state, Cal, state right? yeah he won the new york state uh golf association am last year so he won the new york state am last year he almost and like this. most things we just didn't have our shit together or get a, get him a prompt prompt response to, to sponsor him and i uh, but i found it humorous a, it was a friend the, of the program i swear yeah. it was the day that it came out yeah, you guys want to get in? We got to get in. So we might have to get in. We might have to get in. All right. Um, yep. Fourth, Colin Summers. This guy caddied for us last week. Really? Yeah, he caddied for us at Plainfield. Finished fourth. Oh, cool. Um, and then Bacon, final round, sixty-six, ca- doing his best. Bacon. Best Kevin Streelman, Sunday Streels impersonation soars up the leaderboard to T7. Oh, good for Bacon. So that's your Echo event of the week. That's a notable Echo event of the week. Thanks to Echo. You go to us.echo.com slash SGS. Explore their variety, range of shoes. Hey, unsolicited we are getting a lot more unsolicited submissions of people going and buying echoes and being quite pleased with their purchase well listen one somebody on the waterproof sent us something like hey i got drenched my shoes sucked i went out and got echoes and voila completely dry completely comfortable this is like we're not throwing out bullshit testimonials and didn't solicit them but we're getting a lot of feedback on this you know what is it you buy one pair and how many percent buy another 90% pair? Ninety percent. Yeah, that's what allegedly. that's what this does. So us. slash sgs peruse. You know they got soft spikes. They've got spikeless fluid form biome natural motion Gore Tex around. They got all sorts of technology. You this know is what they do. I know today what? the Ike the event of the week that was thirty six holes today. On Tuesday, probably needed your echoes. Yeah, I bet. I bet some of those guys at the top of the board were wearing echoes. You think Eric Cole was wearing his echoes on Monday when he went thirty six and beat up at the Frank B. Fur Invitation? How about you just starting a starting a catnip of the week? Yeah, that got that quickly became a thing. People looking for stuff on a Monday. Uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, do you think he? Do you think some people at the club? That, I don't think so. What's the controversy? You, they say he you were slandered. You had tour players coming at you. Nick Hardy was coming at you. Nick Hardy made it clear he was not coming at me. He was coming at other. I literally said, it, I think it's fine and uh-uh. cool. He's talked about how this Frank Fur, you know, with a little bit of an unfortunate last name, as many people have pointed out and had, you know, made jokes at, um, supported him when Cole didn't have a pot to piss in and invited him to this event. It's pretty lucrative for like a mini tour event. It's very small. It's like 35 guys with a, a big purse. Um, and, you know, Cole has said, I'm coming back. He's standing up again. You're raising the desk again. Cole says, I'm always going back. He's played 11 straight weeks. He drives from Hartford to Pittsburgh and plays. 
I don't like he's going to win. He's going to win 20K. Does he redistribute that down to the other guys who are kind of haven't won close to $3 million uh, this year? Maybe he does. I, I think he's just loyal to the event and it means something. He's not trying to take an extra 20K off. I, I really don't think that's the case here. So, and it's an invitational. It's not like guys playing for status, quite honestly. Whatever. It could be a spot for, but there seem to be some, uh, I'm getting texts of guys that are, are frustrated. Guys are frustrated. Sketchy. Guess what? Yeah. This, is the, sketchy. this is the, I don't know. Hey, I playing pickup basketball and, uh, you know, some college player comes and plays with us and he wins a bunch of games. Am I going to be pissed when I go home? No, I'm going to be like, you know, this guy came down and he, he whooped my ass. I got to get better at hoops. This is well, these just, guys. Got anybody that's complaining about this? Any any player in the field that's complaining about this should is never going to make it because you're you're a fucking loser if you're complaining about this. You should be thrilled that a guy that is kicking ass on the PGA Tour came down and played against you. Because you know what? If you're if you're not if you're not good enough right now. You can go watch him play, or maybe you played with him, and you can see exactly how good you have to be to be an ass kicker on the PGA Tour. So, and, all and, those, and, all anybody that complained, you should take a look at yourself in the mirror and maybe think about getting a new profession. And to add to this, just the analogy: this isn't a guy dropping into a random gym. The event is sentimental; it means something to him. He's not just going to make himself feel better and beat up on some guys. It's like a thing that he wants to honor. Okay. Um, all right. I think that does it. There's other news. Rory got bad relief on 14 allegedly. But I didn't. I gotta be honest. I just saw the headline. I didn't read the article. I think it was bad in terms well, of this where is they bad for. Dropped. Remember when we talked about having rules corner? Yeah. This is bad. This could have been perfect rules corner. We're just well, we we, gotta get now that first. we're a gambling pod, we can become a rules pod next. And then we can become a I data think, pod. I, I didn't read the articles. I think the issue was with the line of where he dropped, not the embedded ball relief per se. I thought. Maybe I'm wrong though. Again, didn't read, <laughs> didn't the, article. read the article, but I'm gonna speculate. <laughs> I saw the headline and assumed you read it. You're telling me about no. all the things you were reading today. Well, I was caught up in antitrust uh, statutes. Um, so that was that. Kingston Heath getting a President's Cup 2028. Good news. That's great. Very good. We're going Royal Montreal. What's after that? Do we have an American venue? Do we have some garbage American venue? Are we going back to Quail Hollow? Let's, Royal uh, Montreal, what, let's, then uh, America, then Kingston Heath. What yeah. would be the perfect American venue? Firestone. Firestone. They could still owe Firestone from just running away from that. That would be one. I think I think it's been awarded, no? I'm I'm looking it up. Medina. Oh, it is Medina. It's getting it it's Medina. in the middle Sorry. of redo. That'll be good. I can't believe I forgot about that. That'll actually be great. I think that that's yeah. gonna be a really neat redesign. I take back everything I said. I didn't know where it was. Listen, going. with right. with live back. With the live players back, I'm gonna go back to my old take that so the President's Cup is gonna be the more competitive match play event for years ahead. 
Is there an adopted Chicagoan they could make the international captain, a la like a Luke Donald type? Could well, we Ogilvy's doing the there? work at Medina. Oh, there you go. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Talk about like sort of a home home edge advantage. Well, just Holy think about. It. I mean, we should start talking about it now since we're we're the preeminent tipsters in the marketplace. Yeah, there we go. Twenty twenty six press cup. Do you think they got any odds live yet? I mean, Tom, get, Tom Kim will be uh, 22 by then, <laughs> 24, 23, 24, at least Cam, Cam Davis will, will, will be like that late blooming linebacker that ran a four, four in the 40, but couldn't figure out how to play football for, you know, five, six years. And <laughs> then just comes into his own a little bit later than, you know, most, you know, look at that, that team's going to be. And then by Adam Scott at that point after Montreal, they'll know that they can't allow any Canadians on the team. So there'll be no Canadians. No Canadians anymore. Complete. Eldridge Potguider will just be stumble and rumble and bumbling down the fair. And Lambrecht, Christo. We'll yeah. have Potguider, Burley Potguider, and and the six foot nine Thank six foot eight Christo as a team. That's amazing. You've got like Oliver Miller on one block and Sean Bradley on the opposite. <laughs> Just going one, two. High, low post. Physically right. imposing team. <laughs> um, okay. I thought that was going to be quick before we got to our guest. It was not. Go to us.echo.com slash SGS. Uh, we are joined oh, is next Is that the first time we, we did the URL? No. I said it out. I threw it out there a couple of times, I believe. Okay. Event of the week is the Ike. Uh, we were joined by Gabe Feldman. Thought it was an interesting uh, You're interesting joined, discussion. not me. I've joined. Just yeah, want to I'm be joined. clear. Nobody's uh, waiting to hear. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Guy. You know, he has his own podcast, uh, which we call out at the end, Sports Law Podcast. Um, insightful. We had some technical problems, as we often do here at the Shotgun Start. So, I mean, a little hard with some of the, the conversation <laughs> to flow and when, when we're it's chopping great, up. It's a great endorsement. <laughs> But it was good. I listened back to it. It worked out. We had some great production on the back end from Matt Ruches. We had to. Uh, we had to call in. Perfectly. We had to call in our production ace. Real expertise, both on the production and antitrust and sports law. So thanks to uh, Gabe Feldman. Follow him on Twitter for joining us. Uh, thanks to him. All right, we are now joined by Gabriel Feldman. He is a law professor at Tulane. He uh, specializes in sports law. He is the Garner Professor of Sports Law and Abraham Barron Professor of Law. Uh, he's also a co-director of the Tulane Center of Sports. So he comes at this from multiple angles. He hosts the Sports Law Podcast, SportsWise, where a prominent uh, subject recently, as you can imagine, uh, is the PGA Tour and PIF merger. Maybe that's the term. We'll get into that here in a minute. Um uh, he's also obviously specializes in, in antitrust, and that's an area of study as, as a law professor. Uh, Mr. Feldman, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. And please call me Gabe, not Gabriel or Mr. Feldman. <laughs> I insist. Okay. <laughs> All right. I like that. We're off to a good start. This is a pretty informal podcast, but these are uh, allegedly serious, serious subjects. Uh, I'm not sure... Based on the release of, of this framework deal or leak or whatever it was, it all came out on Monday night. How serious it is, quite honestly. It is five pages, six with a signature page. Many of the details are not present in the document. It is it is 
largely, if you've been following this story closely in the golf audience, I think has, and certainly people in your profession have, there was not a lot of new information here. It's what we had already understood the framework to be. What was your reaction to that document? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think there was not a lot of new information. I think if anything, it confirmed a lot of suspicions about this, were that this was rushed, that this was put out before it was fully baked, and that there are still a lot of details to emerge. But uh, the, the sort of suspicion when the announcement first was made or, or when the, the, the deal was first announced uh, was that this was to get rid of the litigation, that they were destroying each other in the courts and by having to compete with each other, and that they wanted to get rid of the lawsuits and they wanted to stop competing and pumping up um, player prizes. And then they would work out the rest of the details. And, and that seems to be what is still the case, is that we don't know what the future entity is going to look like. We know that the PGA Tour, in theory, is going to maintain control. We know that PIP is going to give a bunch of money. They're going to have a framework to allow players to come back in. Um, but the rest of it is, is really what lawyers call an agreement to agree, is we will agree to agree on something at a future date. Um, and as you saw in the agreement, if they don't agree by December 31st, it might all fall apart. But, but at least I think what this did was buy them time to save themselves a lot of money in the lawsuits and the lawyers that were going back and forth. And again, this is why this is probably an antitrust violation, or at least it's a strong case it's an antitrust violation, that they agreed to stop competing. And with that end of competition, well, you know, it may be good ultimately for the fan, for the consumer, maybe not so good for the, the players who were seeing, again, their prize money go up and up and up. Um, so again, I, I think bottom line is not a lot new other than we've seen something at least in writing. And I think what's kind of getting lost a little bit is the reason we have this document is because the U.S. government asked for information because they're investigating mm -hmm. this and the Department of Justice is investigating this. So even if there's no litigation actively going on in, in court, we still have a lot of groups that are looking at this and a lot of groups that wield a lot of power in the government. Yes. So let's get to some of those groups. I, I don't know that we need to get into the specifics, quite honestly, because there aren't that many. And we they've always been alluded to by Jimmy Dunn and others in interviews. You know, they're, they're putting their for-profit as assets into a, uh, this new co, uh, the PGA Tour nonprofit aspects with its pension fund and everything is remaining. Um, but there's no valuation. There's no terms. There's no numbers on what any of these assets are. There's no numbers on what the PIF will be pumping into it. Um, is this more of like, is this framework more of a, a settlement of litigation as opposed to a merger or acquisition? What 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 was this document? What what does it have any legal? It seems to it seems like it's quite vulnerable from a legal perspective. Yeah, it is, and it's again. I think it's intentionally vulnerable and intentionally vague um, for whatever reason. I think there might be a lot of reasons. The tour and live or PIF decided they needed to end the legal dispute quickly, or at least needed to announce it quickly um, and, and rush to put this thing together. Now, it's not unusual to have an agreement in principle where you'll work out most of the details later. And, and there may be other documents that do have more detail. So that, that by itself doesn't tell us that they haven't agreed to more, but it certainly looks like the primary function, or at least the first thing that they wanted to do, as you mentioned, was settle the litigation, and then they'll figure out how they're going to work together going forward. 
And look, everything we've seen, the public statements, if they had a plan, they didn't do a very good job of articulating the plan. Because the way things were announced, everybody, didn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat, if you're an antitrust expert or a layperson, said, this sounds illegal. I, I don't understand how they could think that a, a group that was being sued for dominating for monopolizing golf in this country or the world would then merge with the number two um, and that that would be okay. So they, again, Jimmy Dunn, very smart person, very wealthy person, a lot of very smart people involved, a lot of lawyers involved. Yeah. Why, why this came out the way it did and when it did, I don't know. But again, I think the bottom line is the most important thing this did was end the litigation and then provide some sort of process to allow them to figure out how they're going to work together, how they're going to coexist. And again, we, maybe those details have been more ironed out than we've seen, or maybe they're going to spend the next five months doing that. Okay. So, so there seem to be some pretty, I mean, I know law can be a subjective sort of uh, not exact science on some, but, but this, this document from an antitrust perspective seems to be pretty black letter violation and, and, and Jay Monahan's quotes you know, off the cuff in interviews didn't seem to subdue any of that by saying he's taking a competitor off the board that's now being used pretty widely when, when discussing the antitrust angle to this. Uh, is there some update, amendment, filling in the details to this document, to this agreement in principle that would circumnavigate or get around this antitrust scrutiny? Or is so, it pretty plain? Not that we've seen in the document. Now, there's a couple of things to, to focus on. One is when it was discussed that this was a merger, um, they seem to have avoided in this document uh, the merger language. And it's not clear that this will be an actual merger. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't necessarily matter. It can be illegal without it being a merger. And just the fact that they are agreeing to restrict competition would be enough under the, the Sherman Act to be illegal. Now, where there's enough wiggle room, despite the fact that this agreement says that they'll agree not to allow players to play in competing tours, um, where there's some wiggle room is they may say, look, yes, we are cooperating. PIF is going to help fund us. We've created this new entity, but this new entity is actually going to make golf more competitive. It's going to make it a more popular product. It's going to make something that consumers are more interested in watching. And it's going to help the players because there's going to be more, more revenue coming in. So ultimately, this is actually pro-competitive and therefore legal under antitrust law. And their antitrust lawyers, surely, if they somehow weren't looking at this before the announcement, uh, are looking at it now and saying, how can we set this up so that we don't raise any antitrust flags or additional antitrust flags, which would mean, look, we're going to allow other golf tours to try to exist. We're going to allow players to play, I, again, it doesn't say this in the document, but we're, we're going to be less restrictive than the rules that we had in place before. So I, there is still a possibility that they can come up with rules and come up agreements, come up with agreements that are more likely to survive antitrust attack. Uh, but keep in mind also, the, the thing that is most likely to avoid the antitrust attack is think about the people who are suing the PGA Tour, the, the players who are now all going to be brought into the fold, it sounds like. Um, and it all dropped the lawsuits anyway, right. and LibTor, which settled the lawsuit. So even if there is some anti-competitive stuff going on, who's going to sue, which is where the Department of Justice 
could come in if they want to continue the investigation, where Congress could come in if they want to continue. But if we're going to rely on Congress to save uh, golf or to to clean up golf, I think we're in we're in real trouble. So the absence of the plaintiff with the motivation to sue may be one of the best things that the PGA PIF live agreement has going for it. Is there's just nobody left who has an interest in in trying to bring them down. Can you explain some of some of you mentioned the consumers benefiting from this and that is, is sports unique in this way that the consumer maybe is not harmed by a monopoly either in fact or uh, unofficially like like the NFL is better because Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes play in the same league and one's not in Saudi Arabia or uh, the PGA Tour or golf professional golf would be better if not the stars aren't in disparate places and but there's that consumer benefit but is it harming is this in fact can they get around can they argue this is better for the labor better for the players that there is no labor welfare hit here. Yeah, I, so it's a it's a great question, and I think you're right. What what people have argued and what the leagues have argued for a long time is that there's a, a what's called sort of a natural monopoly in sports. That in the tech industry, you want Google competing with Apple, competing with Sony, competing with whoever, because it's going to give you better products, lower prices. It's just going to be more responsive to what consumers want, but. We don't have the same thing when you have in the NFL, the Jets and the Giants and the Falcons. They might want to beat each other on the field, but they need each other to exist for the NFL to exist because the NFL is just a series of agreements among different teams. But what makes the NFL so popular in part is that the teams are sort of relatively evenly matched. So you don't want any one team becoming too powerful, becoming too good, not necessarily just because they drive them out of business, um, but also because they beat them every time they play and that it would be no fun to watch the game. So yes, I think the reason we've seen the AFL and the NFL merge, the ABA and the NBA merge, that we tend to see these league mergers is because fans want to see all the best players playing against each other in the same league. And I think you, it's a little bit of a different argument in tour sports where you don't have teams, you know, putting live aside for mm-hmm. now, but where, you, where yeah. you don't have teams and you can say, well, why does one tournament have to agree with another tournament? You can have a golf tournament without agreeing to a different golf tournament. But as you said, fans want to see all the best players playing in the same tournament at the same time. It's not fun to have the field split. So half are playing in the U.S. and half are playing somewhere else out in the live tour. So, yes, I think you can argue by, that by merging, the product is better for consumers. But then you have to deal with, well, what about the golfers? What about the, the laborers? And we're seeing a, a similar type case being brought in college sports where we say, look, yeah, you might argue it's better for college sports to be able to have all sorts of different college teams out there and to be able to fund all this great, um, these stadiums and stuff. But what about the college athletes? They're getting paid nothing because you're all agreeing to come together and not pay them anything. Um, You could sort of see the analog in golf. Well, if we're going to restrict competition, if PGA is no longer competing with Liv and the player salaries go down, consumers might be really happy but what about the labor side? And there are some who would say that antitrust law is just as concerned with the labor market, so the golfers, as it is with the consumer market. There are others who'd say, no, 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 this is all about consumers. Um, we'll see what a court might ultimately determine. But yes, in many industries, if a group of competitors came together and said, let's stop competing for the salary of our workers, 
the courts would say that is obviously illegal. We don't even need a trial that Google can't get together with Apple and say, you know what? I'm tired of having to pay our engineers so much money because you're hiring them away. Let's just agree to stop competing for our engineer salaries. That's plainly illegal under antitrust law. Whether it's illegal when it's in the golf world, again, that remains to be seen. Uh, if you if you strictly applied the law, then yes, it probably would be. But one thing we know about sports law is that you get strange decisions because underneath the judge's robes, they're often wearing their team jersey or their their favorite uh, <laughs> golf shirt or whatever it might be. And they often make decisions with the sports fan, uh, from a sports fan's perspective as opposed to a judge's perspective. Okay. So the sports are certainly adding a unique, the sports perspective is adding a unique potential element to this antitrust inquiry or scrutiny. What then is the Saudi element of this? I, I'm not asking you to wade, wade into conspiracy theory areas, but I have serious people off the cuff making comments to me like there is an international relations element potentially to this, underlying this. There, there's the price of oil. There's the Biden administration making visits to Saudi. Like, how does that complicate a governmental inquiry, a governmental executive branch inquiry? Into the the antitrust uh, uh, viability or antitrust violation potential violation of this this league is it, can, can we even answer that question? I think it's hard to answer. I would say from a pure antitrust perspective, it should not matter. Antitrust law is not designed to deal with human rights issues. It's not designed to deal with um, sort of international relations issues. It's designed to deal with competition and the effect of competition and restrictions on competition. But where I think it does matter is where Senator Blumenthal and Senator Warren um, and others in Congress are saying, wait a minute, even if this is not an antitrust issue, this is an issue that's important to the government because we don't want foreign influence on this country. We don't want foreign influence on this American institution, I think is what Senator, Senator Blumenthal called it. Meanwhile, the Scottish are probably saying, hey, this is our institution, not your institution. But they, they are still, um, I think <laughs> that's the, the sort of hook into this is we have to, the reason we're concerned about this is because of the international relations issues, the human rights issues. But the more we start to see the Middle Eastern countries, the Saudis, um, Qatar investing in US sports, I think the harder it becomes to kind of put a specific focus on golf when this is happening in so many other entities with so many other entities. But I do think it's part of the government's interest in this separate from the antitrust issues. So I do think it's clearly relevant to what Senator Warren is looking at, what Senator Blumenthal is looking at. I, I think it could be relevant to what else, whatever else the Department of Justice wants to do, not necessarily just on the antitrust grounds. So I, I think there's certainly it's important and I think it's keeping a spotlight on what's going on, but it shouldn't directly impact the antitrust case. So I really think you can think about it as the antitrust issues are in one bucket, the international relations issues are in a second bucket, and there's just the PR issues are in a third bucket. And I think for at least where we are right now, they've not done a very good job in any of those buckets um, with, with the early announcements and in, in particularly the PGA Tour explaining how they pivoted from thinking live was the worst thing in the world because of PIF to now going arm in arm with them. But again, I don't think that will necessarily directly impact any antitrust suits. Okay. So uh, now we're seeing this congressional inquiry and Jay Monahan, before he took a leave 
uh, I don't know if he called out Congress. He said, we could have used your help when we were sitting ducks for this massive sovereign wealth fund attacking our business, which some say is an American institution and a cultural institution. And he, he sort of alluded to Congress pushing back on that. Is this is this sort of a, a, a blueprint for foreign investment uh, and further into American sports, whether you, you study sports law, you're obviously a fan of sports, you, you understand um, sort of the, the money that's at play here and the potential influence at play. Is there some sort, could this be sort of a wake up call to lawmakers, to Congress, that there needs to be some protection from this? Or, or do we, is, is, should we just let the market be what the market is? Do you see this as sort of the trend, the start of a further trend of foreign investment into sports. We just saw the Qatari government invest in, in monumental sports in Washington. Is this the start of something more? Or do you expect some backlash or, or more more scrutiny on this kind of deal? I would say yes to all of that. Uh, I think we're going to see more. I think we're going to see more backlash. We've already seen reports that their um, foreign interests interested in purchasing some equity in maybe the tennis tournaments here or, or the USTA. Um, so I, I think we will continue to see it. What's interesting, though, is it's not unique to sort of oil money coming into the U.S. If you ask people in the U.K., they're upset about American money coming into the Premier League, that there's so many American owners buying into these traditional franchises, whether it's Man U, Liverpool. Um, so I, I think it's what all sports organizations across the world are looking at is these have become in many cases, either they're really expensive but gratifying hobbies for billionaires, or they're just really good investments. Right? They're really good financial investments. And where they're really good financial investments, the money is going to flow. And then you put the sports washing angle on top of that for sort of the Saudi money. Um, I think we're only going to see it continue. And the question of whether Congress needs to step in, and it's sort of ironic that the PGA tour sort of said, Hey, where were you when we needed you? Now you're investigating. I mean, the, the investigation that they were asking for earlier, the, the intervention was really just competition. And, and it is hard when you have a competitor who says we have unlimited funds, we will do whatever we want. So I, I you know, that is a fair complaint by the PGA tour, but it's up to the, the organizations to decide how much investment, if any, do they want from these foreign governments and the NBA changed its rule that you can allow some as long as it's not majority. NFL doesn't allow any. Um, I think we will see the leagues loosen those restrictions just because they always want more money. They always want owners who are willing to spend more money. They're always looking to improve their product. Okay, uh, Professor, Gabe, sorry, not Mr. Feldman, not Gabriel, but Gabe, Professor, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, so much for your time. Uh, I know these are, are busy times for you. It's certainly kind of a manic time to be a golf fan. Didn't expect to be studying so much antitrust, mergers and acquisitions. I left law school for this reason, but here we are again. Um, thank you so much for your time. Where can people follow you on Twitter, listen to your podcast, read your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports Law Guy, and you can also listen to the podcast. It's SportsWise, a podcast about sports and the law. And there is a never ending um, volume of material to talk about because there are just sports law issues popping up every day. And, and PGA has given us all a lot to talk about. And I'm sorry to have to drag you through antitrust law after you escaped law school. No, I imagine this will be a subject on your podcast through much of the rest of the year with committee hearings and, and you know, further details about the deal. Yep. 
definitely. I may have you on my podcast just so we can swap stories. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you, uh, Professor. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Guy. Thanks again. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.